0: Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk Lapointe, publisher and editor-in-chief. My guest today has an important and profound story to tell about the intersection of business, mental health, and physical well-being. As a young child, Chris Gardner discovered his father's lifeless body. In those days, what he saw was termed an accident. It took years for him to assemble the information to determine after he was told that his father had taken his life. They had suffered and succumbed to his mental health challenges. Today, for the first time, he's stepping up to discuss his story in order to spur an important public discussion of the issue. This week for the newspaper, I wrote what business has in the way of an obligation to lend a stronger voice in what has been a losing battle in the opioid crisis. And for too long, businesses have seen this issue as remote from their daily operations. And this is particularly true in the construction business where many of these deaths occur. Chris Gardner is, of course, the president of the Independent Contractors and Businesses Association. The ICBA launched 46 years ago today, in fact, is launching a workplace wellness program, an extensive free of charge initiative for its members to discuss the mental health challenges for the construction industry. And Chris joins me now. Good to have you with us.
1: Good morning, Kurt. It's a real uh, pleasure to be on your show this morning.
0: Um, it's it's an important day for you and a very uh, testing day, I'm sure. And so um, I'm going to be uh, cautious here in all of this. So you you can help guide me on what it is you want to discuss um, to kind of walk us back to that day and and the journey that you've had since then of of discovery and revelation. Um, what were you made to understand at the time?
1: Well, you know, I was five years old, and, um, and you know, it's 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 a day that I will uh, never forget. Um, and it's hard to uh, to to uh, remove the images from your mind because they're so jarring, and the loss is, is so profound. Not just for myself, uh, but for the members, members uh, our immediate family. Uh, my father had two brothers and sisters and an extended family, uh, so it was an it was um, it was something that reverberates not only at that time but through generations uh, to this mm-hmm. day, and um, and so back then um, it you know as you indicated in your opening it was an accident and so it took a, a number of years nearly a decade uh, for all the pieces to come together and then uh, for me to have a conversation with uh, family members. Um, where there was a discussion about uh, the fact that my father had taken his own life, and and it was um, it was a, at a time when people um, did not talk about uh, issues related to mental wellness, um, and it was it was partly embarrassment uh, if people were going to come forward and say. Um, um, they were struggling in this area with with mental health-related challenges. The view would be there was something wrong with them. There could be repercussions socially, uh, professionally. So uh, things were very much uh, you know swept under the carpet. And as we fast forward to today, uh, that stigma around issues related to mental health is one is the biggest reason why individuals who are struggling and need help in a whole wide range of areas aren't getting the support and the help they need in many, many cases. And so we've got to be able to normalize these conversations uh, to be able to uh, ensure that people feel comfortable Having a conversation and and putting up their hand and saying, "Hey, I I think I need to have a conversation. I think I need some help," and for people on the receiving end of that message to feel comfortable uh, in that setting and saying, "Yeah, there is there are resources here to help," and uh, and, and giving them uh, direction and some guidance about how to uh, how to get the support that they need to uh, to get back on track.
0: Yeah, it's one of the curious. Issues involving all of this, uh, you know, as, as somebody who's who's had family that's had to deal with with uh, with loss of life in this way, um, is that uh, I mean, it's for want of a better term, it's it's a really poorly kept secret. You know, I mean, you you, you understand the circumstance, but what happened in days past was that families were ostracized, and and uh, you know they were kind of kept separate. And as you put it, you know, there was a stigma attached that would have huge repercussions and repercussions on career repercussions on social networks, uh, repercussions all over the place. As, as a young child though, what I, what I wonder about in your case is what didn't make sense to you in the early stages of this? You know, you, did you not apprehend a, there's something more here?
1: Well, you know I, I you know when you um, when you go through something like this and and you and you sort of consider all the circumstances, uh, you start to ask questions, well, why why did this happen? Why was it like this? Um, and, and it kind of does, you know when the explanations are, well, it was an accident. Uh, and you start to say, well, it couldn't have been an accident. If you put all the pieces together, this would have had there ha- would have had to been some purpose, some deliberation. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, someone making a decision uh, to uh, to end their own life in, in the way that he did in this case. Um, so you know, young children tend to ask a lot of questions, and as you get older, yeah. uh, you you know when you're you know when I'm five years old and it's an accident, that's okay, fine. Uh, but when you start when you're in your when you're a teenager, you're more. Uh, you know your critical thinking uh, abilities improve, and you start to ask more penetrating and deeper questions. Um, so it very much was an accident. Now that narrative I used for effectively the rest of my life. My, you know, if people would ask me, uh, you know, how are your parents? Um, I would say, well, my father passed away when I was five. Uh, if they probed further, I would say it was an accident, um, mm-hmm. and that's just partly a coping mechanism, but partly you know, it's, it's, um, it's a challenging situation and a profound loss uh, that most people sort of keep, um, keep hidden uh, and aren't forthcoming about having conversations about. And uh, certainly in his case, if, if I cast my mind back to what he was going through uh, during the, uh, the days, months, years leading up uh, to that day, uh, I, I think there would have been little or no support available uh, no resources available. No one to have a conversation with uh, to say, "Hey, I'm struggling." Um, and if people noticed the behavior, they would have been um, uh, unlikely to um, uh, to to ask a question that was in a meaningful way, and and probably more inclined to say, "Hey, what's wrong with him?" There's clearly, you know, he's, he's it's it's, it's he's acting strangely, and he's not. You know, maybe he's not, then not part of the group. Uh, those kinds of things that uh, tend to isolate people and further compound the challenges of the struggles that someone is dealing with.
0: Yeah, I and mean, of course it was a time of uh, hyper masculinity, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. He was working for the Iron Ore Company of Canada. We were living in uh, in Labrador City in Wabush, which is uh, it's fairly it, it, well. It is very remote at the time. It would have mm-hmm. had you know, three or 4,000 people in the town and mining like construction, like lots of different industries, certainly at that time and, and continues to this day to be dominated primarily by uh, a male workforce. And, and, you know, it, it really, the narrative is uh, suck it up and work through that, um, mm-hmm. you know, talking about something related to me- a mental wellness challenge or a psychological issue would have been clearly a sign of weakness um, and something that wouldn't have been uh, received very well. Um, mm-hmm. So people obviously didn't talk about it. And, and the, the challenge we now know today is that mental health challenges run very, very deep across our society, and they run very silent. And it's that mm-hmm. silent that is, uh, is, is extremely challenging because when, these, when, when issues related to mental wellness surface, they can have devastating consequences for individuals, or families, and their communities, and the workplaces. Um, so um, now we're, we're sort of much further along the curve in having open discussions today than we were you know, 45 years ago. Uh, but uh, there are still there still is a stigma. There still is a reluctance uh, to have these conversations. And programs associated with support resources for mental wellness challenges are usually an add on to a health benefit plan. It's an afterthought. Right. It's not something yeah. that usually the focus is on, you know, what's the dental coverage? How many massage uh, or chiropractic visits are in the plan? You know, the, the, there is an add-on that's often never even really addressed. It'll be, you know, thrown, aside, thrown out there as well. We have a employee assistance program if you need it, and here's a number. And that's pretty well the end of the conversation.
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, an important question, I think that you can answer very well today um, has to do with, with how you feel and how maybe some of our, our viewers today would feel when you finally learn the truth. what, what, is, what is that what happens then?
1: Well, I would say that um, there's two parts to that. One is I believe that uh, I knew the answer. I was looking for confirmation. Um, okay. and, and really it was a series of discussion with family members to say, this doesn't make any sense. How could this have happened in the way that you're saying it happened? And, um, and so I, I think it's something that, um, you'll often hear words related to tragic incidents in people's lives. Uh, the word closure and, uh, there never is closure. There never is a resolution, um, mm. Either, and, I, and I wrote an op-ed that, that uh, today for, for the launch of uh, ICB's new wellness program, um, where I say that there isn't a day that goes by where I don't think about this. And mm-hmm. that's true. There is not a day. There's not a time. And uh, everything will trigger memories of that day. Just normal things like someone saying, oh, it's my dad's 60th birthday. Or... Uh, we're going on a vacation with my parents or it's father's day or at Christmas, we're going for dinner to my parents. My parents are coming over. All of those things were taken away on that day back in 1968. And um, that is something that you don't sort of um, you, you can't put, you know, closure around that. It It is a, uh, it, it reverberates, uh, through your immediate family, through your life every single day. And it's generational um, and uh, the consequences are devastating. And um, so there was lots of times when, you know, if you think of the, uh, the ways that the choices that an individual makes in their life where, uh, and it's incremental choices, and you can go down a path that's very dark and very deep and very hard to get out of. And I, I sometimes wake up and marvel that I, I, in some way shape or form i made good choices and i didn't yeah. end up a different path um, i don't know why or how um, i just did and i'm fortunate that i had people around me who were supporting me um, and um and i think um that uh, as i look back on it today it, it's an event that shaped me in terms of who i am and how i view my life and 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 how I interact with my colleagues and, and friends. Uh, but it, it was a profound loss that I feel to this day, uh, and there's no closure. There will never, ever be closure.
0: I, I, my next question was actually going to be about uh, how you feel it has shaped you, and how it, how it has conditioned you to perhaps be a very different leader than, than others might be.
1: Well, I, I think it, it uh, resilience, perseverance, mm. hard work, all of those things come to mind uh, because I, I took the view that um, I was I was alone. I was on my own, effectively, in so many ways, and mm-hmm. that I had to make the best uh, with the opportunities in front of me. and And to do that, I you know I wasn't I didn't have a a, a large family support network to fall back on. Um, and so, if I was going to move forward, I had to. Um, do it uh, through resilience, hard work, perseverance Um, Mm -hmm. and and I was committed to doing that and I did Mm -hmm. and I was fortunate I was able to um, go to Simon Fraser University, graduate with a Bachelor of Arts, Uh, I was accepted and graduated from UBC Law School and uh, but all of that was done with really just a singular focus in moving forward and not stopping. Because the fear is, if I didn't work hard, if I didn't keep pushing forward, um, that the alternative um, was not was going to be a very dark and deep uh, road. Um, and so, uh, fortunately, through hard work and and resilience, I was able to uh, to stay on track and uh, and then and then build the career that I've been able to build.
0: Well, you have taken a step, uh, not back, but you you kind of taken a pause here today um, to to talk about this for the really for the first time in in your career Um, and it's obviously uh, tied into uh, the program that ICBA is is producing. Um, Let me ask one last question about this which is uh, what made you decide this was the time?
1: Well about you know if you think of if you think back to where we were, um, well, if you go back for the past, I would say, number of years, there's been an increasing focus on challenges related to mental mental health and mental wellness. And so as we came into the COVID-19 global pandemic, it was an issue that was starting to become at the front and center of, of a lot of important discussions. And then a year ago, uh, exactly 12 months today, uh for the first time uh in 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 the history of of, of well in history governments around the world in a synchronized way asked people to effectively stay home and do nothing and mm-hmm. if you think of that uh, around the world every major capital and you'll remember the pictures they were the streets were empty there was no people there was no cars very little was happening and um so what, what the global population has experienced is job losses, significant disruption and dislocation. Every single family celebration has been canceled. Graduations, weddings, funerals, um, community events, sporting events, schools, universities. Everything was taken away. And so the challenges we were experiencing with mental health and mental issue uh, and mental health and wellness issues were compounded. Uh, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. So at ICBA, we, st- we were starting to look very hard at, uh, we know this is an issue in the construction workforce. Um, we've got to do something. And so we set uh, ourselves and our team uh, to task to work with experts, work with construction contractors, construction workers to develop the program that we have. And so as we came closer to the launch today, um, it really provided, you know, To me, it was a little bit of a decision point. Um, Mm -hmm. As a leader, uh, as we launch what I think is an extremely important initiative, an important discussion in the construction sector, but also across our economy, uh, what was I going to do? Was I going to share my story? You know, to me, I felt like I cannot, on the one hand, say these discussions are important, but not be willing to sort of be more open and open about my own personal uh, circumstances so I thought about it for for many weeks uh, talked to some colleagues uh, here at our team and I decided that um, I didn't want to take away from the story but I thought that it was appropriate Uh, it was it was I'm at a point uh, where I think uh, it's important and um, so uh, I made the decision to uh, uh, to make that reference to my personal situation in in the piece that uh, we put out today.
0: Yeah, and it's uh, of course um, people talk about the courage to to step forward in all of this, and and a lot of people are uh, are of course still um, probably watching, knowing what they know, but not really um, prepared to discuss it. Um, do you have a do you have advice for people right away about about what? How, how you can do this, um, what it means when you do, um, and, and how, how, you know, not positive, but how, um, you know, uh, how important this is for people.
1: I think um, and there's a, that's, a, that's a complicated question because it operates in so many different levels. And I would say, just starting from the top, we have to normalize conversations around issues mm-hmm. related to mental uh, mental wellness, because they reveal themselves in so many different types of behaviors that are that are extremely negative and devastating to individuals, families, and communities. That can be addiction-related behaviors. It can be uh, physical health, financial stresses, uh, job performance, uh, withdrawing from family and friends. There's a whole host of outcomes that stem from uh, not having conversations, and these conversations are fundamentally important. Um, the challenge that individuals have is, is, you know, people and, and the, you use the term the courage to um, to have the conversations and I think as it, I don't I don't necessarily take the view that I'm being courageous, uh, but it is it's difficult and it's hard um, mm-hmm. and, and courage may in fact be the right the right term, but I feel it's often overused because it mm-hmm. it there are every family has a story. Every person is on a different journey. Um, so I think um, the one thing I think is fundamentally important is that there are resources and there are help and there are supports. And I think we need to have those conversations. They need to be, people need to understand when others are might be struggling and, and have the, the confidence and uh, to be able to say, hey, you see, like, is everything okay? You know, you seem to be struggling a little bit in this area. You know, what's going on? Can we help? Um, and open that door to to a conversation. And I think people who are uh, personally experiencing challenges need to be assured that when they do put their hand up, when they do walk into someone's office or take someone aside on a a job site and have a coffee and say, hey, I I think I need some help or I need to have a a conversation with someone, that um, that's going to be positively received. Because if we don't if we don't have those normalize this conversation, normalize this dialogue, uh, the numbers that that we're seeing and you reported out on um, the challenges, uh, the crisis that we're seeing uh, in in opioid uh, overdoses, uh, those numbers will continue to rise, um, mm-hmm. and individuals and families will continue to be devastated. And we can't hide hide this, and we can't run away from the reality that is that is uh, impacting all of us. And your lead-in was about the, the role that business leaders can play because there is a deeply human dynamic to this and there's an economic imperative, both in terms of the broader economy, but for individual businesses. You can't put together high-performing teams and expect those teams to perform if you're not willing to understand that there are going to be times, and this is one of them, in the middle of a global pandemic, something we haven't seen for a hundred years, that people can be stressed and challenged, frustrated, uh, and they're going to need help and as leaders, uh, people have to be uh, be there to provide the support and resources to help people. Yeah,
0: I want to uh, ask you some questions about about your initiative, about the, the wellness program uh, that you're, you're going to be providing here. But I guess I should start by going back to an earlier part of our conversation where you talked about mental health uh, services as being a, a bit of an add-on, an appendix to the physical health services that you get through your benefits plans and all that. Um, Is it time for us to turn this on its head and and start with the mental health issues and and build upon them around the physical ones?
1: Yeah, so we have at ICB, we offer we we are a very large provider of group health and uh, retirement benefit plans. We have over 100,000 people who are on one of our plans. And in every single one of our plans, when we look at the numbers, drugs prescribed to deal with mental wellness are in the top three on every single plan. Um, so I think now is the time to start having conversations, and we're we're doing that with our carriers, um, the big the big uh, insurance providers, and with our clients to say the programs that 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 are packaged up as employee assistance programs need to be uh, more robust um, from the car- in terms of the services that the uh, carriers provide, and also highlighted more in a more real and meaningful way to individuals uh, uh, who work for our clients and our customers. And so it's a two-step process. It's what services are being offered by the carriers and then ensuring that uh, individuals uh, understand what the resources are that are available and how to access them and uh, and to feel um, confident that uh, if they're struggling, uh, the help is going to be there.
0: Yeah. The counseling services and the uh, the other services that are provided uh, might appear to a business uh, to be quite expensive on the surface of it, but it's a false economy, isn't it?
1: Well, yeah, and it, this is it, it's interesting because it actually isn't that expensive. I mean, it's probably somewhere around a dollar twenty-five per employee per month. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're looking at you know fifteen dollars a year. For a company to uh, to provide these types of uh, employee assistance programs, um, and that comes with a suite of packages that are that are uh, that provide counseling sessions and 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 access to other experts and health professionals for free for the individual. Um, mm. So the cost is not as expensive as one might think, um, and uh, and but I think there's more room to make those programs more meaningful uh, and more robust. Um, and to ensure that when they're delivered, so we package up the program and we say to our client, um, here's, here's the, uh, the health and wellness package, that we're working with them, and this is what we're committed to as part of our program, to make sure the communication to the individuals um, is comprehensive. It's done in a way that's meaningful to them. And there's there is a you know if you if you scan the uh, the internet there's there's a fair number of resources uh, available for folks, but there's nothing out there what, in terms of our what our research found that's tailored to the construction sector and to and to construction workers. So our the language we use, the graphics, the topics we address are all geared towards construction professionals. In British Columbia, it's two hundred fifty thousand men and women woke up today and went to a job site, accounting for about 10% of our economy. Uh, So it's a big group of workers who are often, I wouldn't say forgotten, but when folks in, um, in the head offices of some of these carriers who are developing these programs, the images and the graphics are generally gonna be geared towards white collar professionals. You know, people yeah, sitting yeah. on a boardroom table having a conversation. People going to a Pilates class, for example, not construction mm-hmm. workers. You know, working on a, on a construction site. You know, working with rebar. You know, putting you know, putting a putting a roof on a, on a structure. Uh, crane operators, uh, mechanical or electrical contractors. It's a different world, uh, different stresses, and the stresses for construction are a little unique. Uh, it's a it's a project driven uh, business. So you start a project. And then it, it, it's going to end at some point. It could be six months, 12 months, two years. And then you move on to another project, which is a different job site, different team dynamics. Uh, so there's mm-hmm. change there. Sometimes the work in construction is in remote locations. Uh, it's often defined by tight timelines. There's a schedule. We've got to finish it by this time. So if you've got a cold, work through it, a headache, the flu, uh, whatever the challenge is, you just keep working. we have got to hit that. Uh, we're going to have this all done by Friday. And so there's not a lot of room there to have discussions around someone saying, oh, hey, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm struggling in in a few different areas here and I think I need some help. So we want to change that. It's about changing culture and really at its core, our program is aimed at one thing, starting a conversation. We're not reinventing the wheel. It's really about having conversations on job sites with construction workers um, about The challenge that some people might be facing with uh, uh, with mental wellness.
0: One of the things that I think uh, stands out for the program, at least in my initial reading of it, is that unlike a fair number of programs where they are going to present you with a you know a webinar and um, you know maybe a counseling session and perhaps a a finite um, you know finite kind of uh, engagement. This is protracted. You know, you you're you're providing basically a year-long um, journey on this one.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's designed to be a 12-month course, and uh, so each month is a different topic. The first month will always be um, the stigma around mental uh, mental wellness, and then and then all the all the um, the other issues will flow from that. And um, there's an online component. Uh, it's not it's not you know it's not a Uh, you know, when I say it's an online component, everyone on the job site would go in at some point during that month for, um, you know, a few sessions that are 10 or 15 minutes long. But once you're in there, there's resources. You can interact with professionals. So if you are Mm -hmm. struggling, you have immediate access to uh, to someone who can say, okay, um, call this number or, you know, talk to this person. Um, So, and it's meant to change culture. So it's not... It's not about saying, well, we're just going to have the people in the head office uh, go through the program. Uh, It's about everybody in the company going through the program, whether you're in an office or on a job site. So the materials are specifically designed for the toolbox talk that starts every single morning on the construction site when crews get together and they say, okay, it's it's 5.36 in the morning. Here's what's going to happen on the site today. And they highlight some of the high risk activities or you know an incident may have happened so there's a safety um, there's a safety component to it we want wellness to be part of toolbox talks uh in a way mm-hmm. that people will relate to on a construction site and uh, so it's there's a lot of interesting material uh, strong visuals and graphics and language and topics that make sense to construction workers
0: a couple of last things uh, chris um, you, you talk about culture, you know, construction culture. You've got a quarter million uh, workers out there in the province, and the culture you wouldn't think uh, instinctively is the one that you'd start with if you were looking at a province wide program and all of this. But um, do you have a, a sense yet of, of what success will look like for a program like this?
1: Well, we know that uh, as we were talking to um... Uh, companies that we were involved in uh, developing um, the content with and and companies who uh, individuals who serve on our board um, the um, the level of enthusiasm was high uh, we think the uptake is going to be strong um, in terms of measuring success it, it's hard to say i mean you know the um you know what i would what what's what the normal course would be that you would expect um, you know some of the larger companies with you know, big safety uh, teams and big administrative departments on HR to, uh, to adopt this. And, and that's important that they do that. Um, one of the things we're really trying to reach is the smaller contractor. You know, 80% of our members have 20 employees or less. And those are, those are companies where they don't have the big HR teams, the big safety teams, uh, the big support networks. And we really designed the program to help those companies um, that don't often have those supports uh, to give them resources and materials that they can easily adopt and incorporate in uh, in their uh, daily conversations with uh, with their employees and their teams. Um, so I'm hoping to see a, a lot of companies in that space uh, pick up on this program and um but listen you know it, it's 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 a little bit cliche to say well if you can change one person's life it's been successful uh, because the consequences are so devastating for individuals families and communities that 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 are impacted by this when these are, when these uh, when mental wellness related issues surface uh, it really is safe to say that if we can change lives and and and, and maybe it's even just a small number of of, of individuals who now put their hand up and say, I need some help. Um, It's important. And it's not just about us. We're hoping that this conversation, obviously, um, is something that triggers similar types of of programs in other sectors of our economy, uh, with other groups, with other organizations and community associations and companies. Um, It's really about all of us having these conversations together so that they're normal. And that's really will be a measure of success. Um, So I think it works on Lots of different levels, but that's that's my hope that um, this is part of. There's lots of folks who've done a lot of work uh, in this area before uh, before we launched our program. We're hoping to be part of that solution, part of the conversation, and hopefully others will join as we go forward.
0: Last question, then. Uh, you're telling your story today. Uh, there's obviously this this is a a change in your life um, in in what you're discussing. Um, this program today that's launched. Uh, is a change in what ICBA is really going to do in terms of its leadership? Is this now for you, um, you know, the a a really big purpose in your next chapter as a human being?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think that um, whatever you do professionally, if you don't, if you're not going to make an emotional commitment to something, be passionate about it, to, to be able to drive something forward, you're not going to be successful. And for me, the launching this program on the 46th anniversary of uh, ICBA, um, in the context of my personal story, you know, does certainly um, um, fuel uh, a very strong desire uh, to, uh, to ensure that this program um, accomplishes a lot of the objectives we talked about today, normalizing the conversation around mental wellness issues, so ensuring people are um, have the confidence um, to be able to put their, their hand up, ask for help uh, without feeling embarrassed uh, or scared. Uh, and for people generally, um, when they have colleagues who are struggling, to be able to reach out and say, hey, um, let's have a chat. Um, so it is a, it is a, it has certainly uh, refocused uh, my mission, my vision for uh, for ICBA. And I'm excited about uh, today and about what the future is going to bring as we engage with our members on this very, very important conversation.
0: Well, Chris, I really I thank you so much for your candor today. Um, and I, I know this is a challenging day for you um, as as uh, as they are for people who decide to start discussing. Uh, in a p- more public way, their stories, but an important story and, and I feel privileged to have had the conversation with you and I wish you all the best with this program.
1: Thank you very much. I really appreciated the opportunity to um, to be on your program today to talk about this important issue and look forward to uh, to staying in touch and having more conversations going forward.
0: You bet. Chris Gardner is the president of the Independent Contractors and Business Association. I'm Kirk LePoint, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. Thanks a lot for watching.